How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks, brought to you by BrewHoop.com and brought to you today by SeatGeek. Our wonderful friends there have given us a great promo code. It is L-O-B-U-C-K-S, again, L-O-Bucks, and that'll get you $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Um, so a big thanks to them. They're sponsoring us today. And us equals myself. I'm Eric Name, and you may also know my friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm... You know, I was basking in the glory of uh, Giannis destroying the Cavs and all the nice sort of media glow that came from that today. Our friends at the Starters talked a fair bit about Giannis. Uh, I don't know where else. I'm sure lots of other places are talking about Giannis. I was going to say, uh, Rosillo had his own, like he does his own NBA podcast. He talked about a bunch today. Um, someone told me that... Bill Simmons on a Ringer podcast talked a bunch about the Bucks today. I haven't got to that yet, um, but that and then since since Jr. and Jason Terry had that <laughs> moment, uh, just about every show discussed them. Um, and if you were lucky on the right ESPN show, you could get some tangential talk about the Bucks, um, which which was nice. I think on Around the Horn, they gave them like a solid minute, asked if uh, maybe we weren't expecting enough out of the Bucks and stuff like that. Uh, so you know, the Bucks were and which which will which we'll talk about maybe a bit later in this podcast as well. Yeah, so we just might. The so they're in the they were in the ether today, um, which is. Which is a thing you can't normally say about the Milwaukee Bucks. So that that was an exciting day. Um, obviously, they beat the Cavs, but as always in the NBA, it's an 82 game schedule. You you got to look forward to the next one. Um, you you got to bring your best every night. I'm trying to think of any other cliches I can spit out right now. Um, but they do have the Nets here on Thursday. Um, they are in Brooklyn. This will be the second time the Bucks play the Nets. The first game you may remember. Um, I'm going to recap it. I don't know how applicable any of it is to this next one because. You may remember uh, Rashad Vaughn scored 22 <laughs> against the Nets the first time, uh, shot 12 threes, hit six of them. Uh, are so, you talking about Westchester Nick, Rashad Vaughn? Is that who we're talking about right now? They are one and the same, yes. Um, <laughs> so, I, again, I don't know how applicable it is, but uh, that game the Bucks win 110-108. Um, you'll remember Jabari Parker driving to the lane, getting his shot blocked by Justin Hamilton, and... Uh, he just sent it off the glass. Henson comes in, tips it in at the buzzer. Bucks win. Uh, play the music, whatever. Um, let's have some fun. So the Bucks win that one. But I guess with the Nets, I think maybe around that time, it might have been the night of disappointing because you're thinking, okay, the Nets didn't have Brooke Lopez. This was the game they should have blown out. And or then, anybody else. 
<laughs> correct. They don't really have anyone else. But then all of a sudden they were plucky and fun for like five or six games, and it was like, okay, maybe the Nets are a thing. And then they dropped six or seven straight, and maybe I think maybe seven. And yeah, they're they're not good. Um, so. A, a, a whole range of emotions for how you might have felt about that first Bucks Nets game. Um, hopefully, now it's probably got to a point where it's disappointing that that game was that close, um, especially at home with as well as the Bucks have played at home. Um, obviously, a home heavy schedule here to start, but they've given some good teams really good games at home, and that <laughs> that you can't. You can't use the word good describing that first Nets game. Um, so I, I guess, Frank, do you think any of that first game matters? What do you take from that first game? Uh, I, I guess what are your general thoughts about the Nets as we get ready and preview uh, the Bucks game against them tonight? Well, it's obviously the concern is that it is the you know trap game. Um, and we should mention that they're, they're also playing the Nets on Saturday in Milwaukee. So <laughs> Double uh, trap classic. Double trap classic double trap. Uh, <laughs> So it and it, and it starts off this weird string of home and homes the Bucks have this month, which um, I I don't know if that the, the schedule makers just decided to make that a thing, but I think they've got what the, they've got at least I know they got the Bulls, they've got the Cavs, I think they have another Wizards. home and home beyond yeah Wizards as well. So um, kind of a bizarre little little stretch here in December, but um, I mean I think it's relevant in the sense that. Uh, it's probably a positive if you are concerned about the Bucks not maybe bringing you know their A game tomorrow, falling into the old, uh, you know we just beat the Warriors and now we're going to lose to the Lakers. Uh, we just beat the Cavs and now maybe they're not <laughs> they're they're susceptible to a come down game yeah. uh, against a team like the Nets. So you hope that you know the fact that they've seen them already this year, they've experienced that the Nets are an NBA basketball team that has. Um, Maybe guys who don't always look like NBA players, but uh, they, you know, quote, you know, the, the whole hashtag both teams played hard thing. They shoot a lot of threes. Uh, you know, they kind of play a style that um, is is in, at least makes them interesting. And they didn't have to face Brook Lopez last game. Uh, Lopez has been terrific uh, when he has played. They've, you know, they're trying to manage his minutes. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, the the the. the I mean, I, I think I don't know if it was Zach Lowe. Somebody was saying that sort of the, you know, the Nets kind of spiel of kind of playing fast and shooting a lot of threes is you know not necessarily uh proving to be you know something that can carry them as as well as it has maybe in those first couple weeks um they're also missing you know they've been missing jeremy lynn which is obviously a big blow for a team like this that that doesn't have much depth um a person named isaiah whitehead is apparently playing major minutes for them in the backcourt uh by the way did you see when then last uh last night so this was wednesday night or um or sorry Tuesday night when they beat the they came back from an 18 point deficit to beat the Clippers uh Doc Rivers got thrown out and there was this big thing and uh the the Nets had four straight free throws in this close game and Isaiah Whitehead took both technicals and missed both of them <laughs> which helped the Clippers uh force I don't know if that was in regulation or the first overtime but first anyway overtime. um they're they're a weird team and uh we, Luis Scola is involved and Luis Scola always causes the bucks fits no matter what so that's also something that hopefully they they don't sleep on but um but yeah the nets are weird the bucks have to be better than them and um these teams have played so many close games and 
multiple overtime games the last few years, you you hope that um, maybe the Bucks can can have an easier time of it. I mean, I was also going to add Sean Kilpatrick hero ball, like that former one. former Bucks summer leaguer guy. Correct. That correct. Clearly, the Bucks should have signed. Um, I always just sort of like. You know, and when people talk about every summer, there's somebody in the Buck Summer League team oh, as a yeah, free agent always. that people think like, hey, they should sign this guy. And every year I'm just like, they're not going to sign this guy. They never signed Summer League <laughs> guys. Um, but in this case, they actually should have, which, you know, usually isn't the case. So um, kudos to Sean Kilpatrick. 38 points and 14 rebounds in the last game in that double overtime. 34 game. field goal attempts, Frank. Yeah. 34. Yeah, well, he'd be better than Jason Terry uh, if <laughs> if you had a backup shooting guard. But um, but anyway, actually, let me let me stop for a moment. Uh, we are sponsored by SeatGeek today, and as you guys know, listen, we we try to make this kind of interesting. You know, normally live reads, um, you know, they're telling you how great a product is. In this case, you know, it is a great product. We've used Obviously. it. Um, it's pretty relevant if you're an NBA basketball fan or a sports fan or a music fan. If you're a fan of going outside and spending money for tickets to any type of event, it's pretty relevant. Um, we've got our promo code, LOBUCKS, gets you that $20 rebate after your first purchase. You know the drill if you're one of our loyal listeners. Um, but it's always interesting because it gives me a good excuse to go and check out SeatGeek to see actually what tickets are costing. Um, and it's kind of funny because obviously this is a home and home. And oh, yeah. not that they're not that they're necessarily you know, apples to apples because we're talking about a Thursday game in Brooklyn and a Saturday night game in Milwaukee. So maybe that kind of evens things out a bit. Um, because let's be honest, I mean, Brooklyn, it's still New York. I mean, I've been to, I've never been to the Barclays Center. I've been to MSG twice in my life to see Bucks games and the Knicks sucked both times and <laughs> it was still super crowded. And I was in the second, I was in the upper deck and, you know, it was like full of like, you know, people who um, were really happy to be there and, paid you know 60 bucks or whatever to be there um but it's interesting because brooklyn is you know much as they're not a great team um i don't know i was kind of curious like you know is there enough uh are there enough humans in new york city that there's still <laughs> demand for <laughs> random basketball games and nah, not really um upper bowl tickets i was seeing in in the 10 buck range you can get Ooh. that you can definitely get into the lower bowl under 100 um and for the bucks game uh in milwaukee uh, I thought it was interesting because, uh, you know, it's a Saturday night game, but it's a bad team. And I'm, Ooh, you know, we always. Is it Saturday always, night or is it Saturday afternoon? I, th- I feel like. Oh, I, it's you're right. It's Saturday afternoon. It's a 4 p.m. game. I totally forgot about that. Right. That's super. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, is that, by the way, is that uh, is the Big Ten title game at that same time? I don't know. I think it's at night. So oh, it's probably at night. Maybe that's actually, why. I mean, it, that would be incredible foresight uh, yeah. <laughs> on the part of the Bucks to to know that the Badgers would get to the Big Ten. Definitely going to be in the Big Ten championship <laughs> game. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like like we've been telling you all year. I mean, there are good deals to be had. Um, I'm seeing. Uh, let's see. You can. I think the cheapest tickets were. I don't think there was anything single digits. Um, in in the upper bowl uh i think 11 bucks 10 bucks is the cheapest i've seen um but still obviously you know if you just want to go to a game you can get there uh and lower bowl kind of similar deal like you know you can get to kind of where the sideline and and baseline meet for you know i'm seeing like 55 bucks things like that 50 bucks so you can definitely get get pretty 
pretty good, pretty good seats. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, you can track events too. If you don't want to buy right now, you can track an event and, um, you know, follow it. Uh, maybe if you want to see if tickets go down in price as you get closer and you've got those red, green, orange color codes to let you kind of zoom in real quick on, on the best deal. So check it out. Use that promo code LO bucks and, um, yeah, let us know if, uh, if, We've never asked anybody to tell us if you use the promo code. We know that they're being used because um, SeatGeek's still advertising with us. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> shoot us a shoot us a tweet. Let us know if uh, if you did use it. Um, and like like we always say, you know, uh, once you buy uh, afterwards, you can get that twenty dollars rebate um, from SeatGeek. So that's that's yeah, pretty cool. Like, like take a with picture the or something, and then <laughs> yeah, we can see it and, then, and show. And we'll everyone. give you a shout out. We'll yeah. give you a shout out. Which I don't know. That's that's. That's kind of desirable, I guess, if you listen to our podcast. Shout out. That's cool, right? Yeah. If, um, you're, if you're loyal enough, that's a cool thing. Yeah, right? Anyway, okay. So we'll. Um, so thanks to SeatGeek. Um, let us know. Go to the game. By the way, and I'm going to add, because um, I know on Twitter today we were, uh, there was, I think you and Dan Schaefer and, and Steve Von Horn and Jeremy Schmidt from Boxketball. I, I still want to say from Boxketball, even though Boxketball isn't really kind of active right now, but Jeremy is. is he is, is Boxketball. So, um, so that we were kind of having this debate about, um, I, I don't know if you started or Dan started it, but it was sort of this idea of, you know, again, people don't really go to Bucks games and, um, it would be nice if people went to Bucks games and made Giannis happy. Um, that's my big, uh, Steve was, was complaining about people shaming, uh, attendance shaming yes. and, uh, Giannis's happiness is my ultimate, uh, guilt trip vehicle. See, um, he kept using logic, and I wanted to put that one on him, but I just knew he was going to get upset with me being so irrational. Uh, and, right. I, and, and, I feel, and I feel like my attendance shaming as a whole, and I, I fully admit that I do it, um, but I feel like it's it's essentially irrational. Like, I want the the BC to be full because it's a cooler experience for everyone. Yeah. It's more fun for the people that go if more people are going. And if people are at a bar beforehand and they can talk bucks with someone, that's cool. That's a fun interaction. That is the cool part of being a fan is being somewhere else in the country, having a buck shirt on, someone sees you in that buck shirt and says, hey man, did you see Giannis last night? That's a dope interaction. That is so incredibly cool. Like, the the best part of being a fan is somewhat irrational. Like you can keep throwing logic and facts at me, but part of being a fan is enjoying things and, and beginning to be a part of something bigger and not necessarily having it make a ton of sense. So that, well, I mean, here here's the thing. So the logic that Steve's applying is well, TV is now so good that I can get you know, uh, I can enjoy myself more from home, right? And and look. I'm not arguing that for many people staying at home is going to be more enjoyable or, you know, more convenient. And obviously it's cheaper than going to any any sporting event. Right. Because you can watch every sporting event on TV. Um, But it's really not about I mean, my thing isn't really about the logic of like what a single individual person does. I mean, like it makes me think back to this. Yeah. yeah, A lot of people have heard this thing about, you know, people have made arguments. Oh, logically, like a a rational person wouldn't vote because your vote, you know, on the margin doesn't matter or whatever. (laughs) It's like, great. Like. You can you can make that case, but screw that. Like I, you know, like why would you, you know, if, if the whole system <laughs> fails if everybody does that? Correct. And my my complaint is not that you know an individual person didn't go to a Bucks game last night. People have busy lives, right? My my complaint is just that the Bucks are twenty eighth in attendance, and I think they are much more enjoyable than the twenty eighth team you know the 28th team in in the grand scheme of the nba mm-hmm. and obviously part of it is a market size and 
you know, I know the BC isn't obviously a great venue and that's going to you know, thankfully change soon. But, you know, I just think it would be cool if the Bucks were supported the way other teams are supported. I mean, why why do the Pelicans get a thousand more fans per game? Right. Yeah. Why? Why do the why do the Wizards get more fans per game? Um, there are a lot that interesting. I mean, the Suns get two thousand more fans per game. Um, it's been a long time since the Suns were legitimately good, right? <laughs> yeah. They yeah. they they suck way more than the Bucks do. Yeah. They don't have Giannis. Don't don't tell me about Devin Booker and tell me that anybody wants to buy a ticket to go see Devin Booker compared to Giannis. It's crazy. Um, so so yeah, that's my main my main point. It's it's not like oh you if you don't buy a ticket like you're some bad fan. Look, everybody's got stuff to do. You know, not everybody has has t- money they can spend on tickets all the time. But um, but you know, on the whole. I'm just saying it doesn't reflect well of Milwaukee's fan base if you can get tickets for dirt cheap and, you know, the organization puts out tons of good deals. We talk about SeatGeek deals. Um, it's just kind of depressing if, you know, Giannis is having to beg people to come to games when he's putting together a ridiculous season and he's becoming a friggin' NBA superstar, the likes of which I'm going to go ahead and say, have the Bucks had as I mean, who who's who has been as good as Giannis is right now? Like, you can make a case for Sydney in the early 80s or Marcus in the late, you know, in, in his kind of prime, I guess, late 70s, early 80s, you could make a case. But, I mean, nobody in NBA history has put up his raw stat line <laughs> right now. Yeah. He's 21 years old. So I think it's more fun because, again, there's this feeling of you're getting in on something at the ground level kind of. Um, and it's it's pretty awesome. And I bet if you talk to anybody, I mean, I've um, again, I mean, my, my parents are still season ticket holders in Milwaukee. They go to you know probably half the games. I mean, they've been emailing me excited after all these games. We didn't know the Raptors game, you know, which they lost. They're like, it was a great game. We had a great time. Um, and, and obviously, it was great to see the Cavs pull on, you know, the Cavs game and, and give fans a, a chance to see a win against a great team. I was also going to add, being a fan, I, I think, at least to me, requires some investment. Like, you, you have to invest a little bit for things to feel good at some point like if you're just kind of keeping an eye on the bucks and you know what i don't really feel like going i'm just gonna go i'll just watch it on tv or maybe i won't i won't catch it on tv but when they're ready for the playoffs like that's not gonna feel that's not gonna feel as good that's not gonna feel as exciting because you weren't as invested and again not super logical because the Bucks haven't given you a reason to invest, I get that, but um, I, I do think that is that is part of it for me as well. Like I, I'm cool with investing time in a bad team. I've done it for my Whole entire life, life. <laughs> um, so I, I'm cool with it. Like that that is going to be fun for me when they are good someday, and yeah. that day appears uh, appears to be getting closer. Yeah, I mean, look at the people in Philly, right? I mean. The some of the crowds when I've watched games on League Pass in Philly, and obviously whatever Philly is a bigger market, but I mean the the Sixers still suck in the grand scheme of the NBA, but the fact that they are showing signs of life, I mean it's fun for people, especially yeah. people who suffered through some unwatchable basketball last couple seasons. So I don't know. Anyway, let's let's stop belaboring that. I feel like we we probably lecture our listeners on why people should go to Bucks games too much, but um, I mean this is a Bucks podcast. We're probably preaching to the choir. Um, <laughs> so anyway, wrapping up. Uh, the Nets, you know, home and home. I mean, clearly not winning. You know, if they if they were to lose both games, that would be just. I mean, I, I don't even know what would happen. I mean, the the internet would would burn down in Milwaukee probably. Uh, if they split the games, 
I mean, whatever. It's there's no such thing as a must win at this stage of the season, but um, but obviously this is a, a golden opportunity to win a couple of games, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy or you know winning two games in a row against the same team is never easy, especially when you're not a great team or a proven team, and they're obviously a young team that has to get itself up for these games, and they haven't proven to really do that very well. Although, you know, look. The fact that they beat the Magic is encouraging on the road. Um, hopefully they can do it uh, on Thursday night. Hopefully they can do it again on Saturday night. Um, but let's maybe just, talk... Oh, about, Frank, I was going to say, yeah, just, go ahead. just kicking, just kicking a crummy team would be so awesome to watch. Yeah. Like, when they did it to the Kings that night, that was awesome. And just seeing them do that to a bad team again, like, they didn't get the mad. They didn't really kick the Magic in either of the games they had them. I would just like to see that in one of these two Nets games. We need we need um we need Giannis to just obliterate first Bogdanovich on a dunk. Yep. Then he's got to obliterate Luis Scola on a dunk. Yep. And then Thon Maker has to get into garbage time <laughs> of a blowout and dance on Luis Scola's grave with a crossover. <laughs> uh, and I think that would that would sort of tie the whole room together. Uh, in in the grand sense, uh, grand scheme of sort of the Bucks Bucks universe, but anyway, we're probably setting ourselves up for massive disappointment, getting all, all yeah. rowdy uh, after a Cavs win. But uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll um, okay. By the way, I've, I've heard about, just uh, quick because I'm thinking of. I know occasionally we'll get ask people ask like when's the next podcast, especially after um, weekend games. Generally, we're not going to podcast on weekends. You know, if something crazy happens, maybe we will. But obviously, oh, especially on, no, yeah, I just yeah, didn't. yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we did have the I did do the Danny Danny Larue podcast after the Warriors game, and just kind of Danny wanted to do one, and I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. So anyway, we we probably will only do them, you know, release them Monday through Friday. Um, but you know, whatever. It's a it's a friggin' daily Bucks podcast. What do you want from us? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a lot. We talk a lot about the Bucks. So anyway, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, and some of you actually wanting to listen to more of us. It's it's uh, that's it's a privilege. It's a privilege to serve you. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today was the other night. Uh, I I think it was after the Magic game. Um, I quoted some some numbers from 538.com. And of course, as soon as I did that, I didn't even think about it because I sort of compartmentalized 538's sports stats from all their election stuff. Um, but of course, as soon as I did that, people were like, oh, why should I believe 538? <laughs> they, they got the election wrong. It's like, well, I mean, are, we, are you really going to like not believe in statistics anymore? in sports because of uh, polling data being you know and, weird and and also didn't like, didn't their data actually like give i think they were they were they, they were pretty good right they were they i mean i think it's gooder than the others <laughs> better <laughs> i think if you look at the yeah i mean i think especially if you look at popular vote stuff they actually might have been closer this time than the last time but obviously just the fact that it, yeah. it went the opposite direction obviously is what makes people um you know raise their eyes and say like what the hell but anyway so 538 um does this uh and and numberfire.com does it as well they do these um sort of probabilistic simulations um based on performance to date and um you know the schedule the rest of the way how the team has fared against the schedule it's had and Obviously, you know, if you've been blowing out teams and your point differential is great, then that's better than if your point differential is bad. And um, right now the Bucks actually have a ever so slightly positive uh, point differential, which is good. Um, so that's kind of interesting uh, and, and positive. They're not getting lucky in that sense. They're not just winning a bunch of close games. Um, but 
obviously the the week schedule, the home heavy schedule does factor into it. And um, currently on 538, they are projected to win 30, I believe 37 games or 36 games, excuse me, with a 37% probability to make the playoffs. And I started quoting these numbers last year um, when they were extremely low. Maybe you remember this, Eric. They were extremely low, mm-hmm. uh, like under 10%, like kind of midway through the season. I think a lot of people were surprised by that. Um, but I, I, my, a lot of my point was, um, even if they could win high 30s, the East was a lot better and there just were you know, a lot of teams they would have to catch. And this year, it's kind of a little bit of the opposite because a lot of those teams have not done as well. Like the Pacers haven't been as good. They're on pro- projected for 36. Wizards, 34 wins. Knicks, 36 wins. Even the Hawks, you know, 41 wins. So yeah. there are a lot of teams that are not projected to maybe win as many games so their probability of making the playoffs is not as bad as you know you might think if uh, for a team winning 36 games but let me put it to you eric i mean okay we got that number kind of floating around and i know people are gonna say well what the hell does that what the hell does that number mean um but you know we we were projecting this team to be probably lower than that in the win column i think i was somewhere between 33 and 34 wins i think i went as high as 35 but yeah 33 to 35 so and i think our view was like yeah if things go like pretty well they could go high 30s but you know getting the playoffs just seemed like a long shot um and and that was probably because i thought you'd have to win low 40s to to get into the playoffs but either way based on what we've seen so far and obviously we have to temper ourselves after coming considering the last game we saw but um they're eight and eight (laughs) uh is a playoffs baby yeah Giannis is a friggin' stud. Jabari's kind of oh, pretty decent, but has problems, which we'll probably talk about a lot more. Well, I don't know. We've always had kind of concerns. But um, Jabari hasn't kind of become a winning basketball player, which is the kind of concern we've always had about him. He's still kind of a negative mm-hmm. player um, in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, I think getting better, um, still very young. Uh, and kind of everybody else, you, know, you have the supporting cast, and there's kind of been some some promising signs from some folks there folks some players there um but i don't know what, what what do you think are you more optimistic about where the bucks will be at the end of the season um than you were you know a month ago before the season and let's let's kind of uh, when i say optimistic let's kind of make it more about the record piece i know that okay. you know we're more about development anyway but um just from a record standpoint expectations of where the team will be at the end you know in, in mid-april where, where do you kind of come out on that um i mean we've seen the easiest stretch of their schedule i don't think that's um i don't think that's a stretch to say um and we've seen them be rel 500 pretty much exactly eight and eight um so i i don't know if that's necessarily a a thing to be encouraged about i know we have we've talked about uh, on brew hoop and on this podcast that this december schedule after these couple of nicks or after these couple of nuts games excuse me gets pretty difficult um and then there's some tough road trips and obviously if you have what was it 14 of your first 21 at home or 14 of your first 20 obviously it's gonna be uh, a heavier road schedule as you go the rest of the way so uh we're gonna see a more difficult schedule um but with all of that being said, I, I would have to say I'm more optimistic about some things. Um, Giannis has taken an even further leap than I thought he would. Um, I, I was not ready to live in a world where in the first month of the season, he would outplay Nicholas Batum. He would outplay Paul George. He would outplay LeBron James. 
He would outplay. I mean, I know we've had this discussion before. Maybe Kevin Durant in the Warriors game. Um, maybe Anthony Davis in one of the Pelicans games. Um, so he's outplayed some of the best players in the league, and I don't think I was quite ready for that this year. I knew. I think we both felt pretty confident that he was going to take a jump. I don't know if his, I, I thought it was going to be quite as large of a jump as it's been. So that obviously, as far as any optimism goes, that that takes me higher than where I was. Um, and then some of the smaller moves. Uh, the Beasley move has looked good thus far. Um, I, I know I said the other night the Bucks are playing good basketball and Michael Beasley's in. That's that's an exciting new development because a lot of the times I associate Beasley with bad basketball and not good ball movement and that wasn't the case the other night Tony Snell has come in and he's struggled to shoot the ball but he's helped the bottom line um, when it comes to to shooting threes and, and getting those up so again more positives there but on the other side the three big men has been a complete mess a complete disaster um plumley and henson well wait a, well, let me well, let me ask you about that though i mean with the exception of kid just like you know pulling a jason kid and like arbitrarily well i don't know arbitrary but undeservingly benching greg monroe when yeah. his other centers suck um and when his offense especially a second unit is is you know especially without Giannis, is clearly not some kind of you know machine that that doesn't need a guy like him yeah um with the exception of like that week um you know greg monroe now back in the lineup and, and making a difference <laughs> like yeah. we thought he would um i mean i think greg monroe's moved to the bench uh, i mean he's doing it and he's playing better defense i think that probably has actually worked out pretty well but i, I think to your point it's more just the you know kids handling of it has been strange and obviously the other two guys have not played well i mean john had basically john henson had one good game and Plumley, I, I don't know. I guess he was pretty good against the the Warriors, but um, for the most part, you know, those guys have been un- let's say underwhelming. That's that's a big thing for me. Is uh, I I think both of us. I'm not going to say we think highly of Greg Monroe's game, but we certainly respect it and understand that he can be a quality basketball player. And I think if I was going to have optimism about that three man big rotation, it would have been Henson or Plumley showing that hey, I deserve to start every night i deserve 20 minutes a night i deserve to be on the floor um and and we just haven't really seen that from those two so um that's a bit of a disaster and with with mirza again last couple games haven't been um super encouraging obviously um but again We've seen that's more kid, right? I mean, yeah, it's not like Toledovich has. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks have been definitely Giannis has been great with with Toledovich, and I think his value is very clear. It's just, you know, well, if Jason Kidd isn't going to play him, then that's bad. Um, but you hope that that's just sort of a you know, November, December Jason Kidd being kind of weird and and trying different things, and that Mm -hmm. he'll eventually come back to him, yeah, certainly. Um, but I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, more threes being shot, that's cool. Um, Giannis and Tony Snell, like I mentioned. So I think like the projection, okay. I could see adding a couple wins to where I was from like the 33 to 35 range to maybe the 35 to 37 range. But I, I certainly don't think this is a 500 basketball team for the season. If they could only get through um, this home heavy, early, relatively weak schedule, um, 
at 500, I, I think it would be tough to project out a 500 record for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope, I've been hoping that maybe there could be some parallels uh, just from a kind of record standpoint, not necessarily from the way the team plays, but uh, to two years ago where they kind of started surprisingly well. And I think they were maybe a, they were around 500. They might have been slightly above 500 at the end of November. And they had a really difficult December lined up. And it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, if they can. If <laughs> Few things they, I've ever written have been more wrong than my oh my God, look out for December piece that I wrote at Milwaukee Magazine. It was one of the first things I wrote and God, they made me look really stupid. Well, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, they, they kind of held it together. Kind of made me think coming into the season, well, maybe if they have this home heavy start, maybe they can obviously play better because of that and get some confidence. And then maybe, you know, being a young team, um, maybe that kind of carries them to to that kind of over overachieving season. Um, and and or, or maybe not overachieving isn't the right word, but basically living up to maybe their their full talent level. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's sort of an interesting uh, thing to watch. I think I'm encouraged that they are about average on both offense and defense. Um not that that means they have much of an identity. I still don't know if this is a team that, you know, is really going to be better, better defensive or offensively or kind of what they do other than try to play faster through Giannis and, and be kind of weird defensively and force turnovers and um, get out on the break. Uh, but at least that gives me some hope that that maybe this team, especially offensively, like, you know, we kind of talked about it. Like, you know, look, I mean, they start Matthew Delvadova and Tony Snell and John Henson or Miles play, uh, and the load is so much on Giannis to carry this offense. And I think they've obviously shown flashes of being able to score a lot of points, and they've shown flashes of shooting more threes. And they're obviously mm-hmm. not a team that shoots a lot of threes. Um, you'd hope that if they can find a way to get uh, Toledovich more minutes, especially maybe they can become a little bit more dynamic, um, take advantage of of uh, especially Giannis's uh, ability to to slash and and create. Uh, openings on the perimeter but um but obviously yeah i mean beasley's been been really good especially relative to kind of what you know what we saw in the preseason where he was just chucking um you know two dribble mid-range jumpers so um so yeah i think i think i'm i mean i think i'm i'm a little bit more optimistic about the record um i think what you said initially about Giannis and being sort of ahead of the superstar curve versus maybe what we we're trying to condition ourselves to expect uh, and, and, and manage our expectations. I think that is that alone makes this, you know, a successful first month of the season. Um, and obviously, you just kind of knock on wood and, and hope he stays healthy and uh, continues to even get better, right? I mean, if he can yeah. get a little bit more confident with his jumper, um, you know, if he gets into the high twenties or even hits thirty percent of his threes, um, then then he's even more unstoppable. By the way, one of my pet peeves is. And I think we all say versions of this, but it's the old like, oh man, if this guy ever gets a jump shot, look out. Hey, you better freaking look out now. I mean, it's it, just because we've been assuming for so long that that his stardom would be contingent on the jumper coming. Um, we need to kind of recalibrate and realize I, that he doesn't really even need to shoot jumpers to be incredible. I mean, he may not be the best player in the league without a 30% three-point shot, but um, can he be a top 10 player? I don't think there's any question that he can be that kind of player. I mean, he's he's arguably right there right now. I think the tough spot with that is always knowing that someone will read what you say and be like, well, what if he adds a jump shot? And it's like, yeah, 
obviously like that's the major qualifier um and then we can imagine this other world but he's really freaking good without one (laughs) um but i do always feel like it's a necessary qualifier like you always have to say man imagine if you had a jump shot but like we're to the point where it doesn't really mean anything at this point yeah i mean it's just kind of i mean this is it's just stating the obvious at this point um and i think the i mean the other thing too is i mean i i think and i hope that jabari parker can get better from from what he's been so far i mean he's been i mean it's kind of it's kind of encouraging that he's been as inconsistent especially offensively as he has been and yet still is like putting up numbers you know Mm -hmm. he's still up over 18 points a game um i think his eye test defense is better um but as we kind of said you know the question with jabari was you know Giannis became a plus basketball player two years ago, basically Um, a guy who you put on the court and you think, okay, this guy's helping me win basketball games. I'm, I'm, I have a better chance of outscoring my opponent with him on the court. And that's pretty important um, (laughs) because that's what winning basketball games is all about. And with Jabari, we've kind of been saying, okay, well, he's that like young player. He's, you know, still net negative guy. And, um, you know, defensively, we always talk about that. I think I've test, I think he's becoming better defensively. I don't think he's, you know, he's not average defensively. Um, there's still cons- absolutely concerns there. Um, offensively, it's probably the probably the weirder part, you know. Like, how do you, you know, it's this constant debate of like, well, does he, you know, does he need to be? I know, and I think we'll probably talk about this in a separate pod. But like, does he need to be playing more with with the second unit, um, even though he doesn't always seem comfortable, kind of being mm-hmm. the lead scorer? So it's it's kind of a tough thing, um, especially because obviously we always assume that he would be that kind of alpha scorer, and <laughs> then he then he kind of developed into a third score with with chris and, and Giannis last year and um obviously this year it's still a process for him to try to um become more of that guy but the one the one big positive i think is that he is not hesitating to shoot threes and he is making a good number of those threes which doesn't necessarily surprise me but i'm encouraged that he just sort of you know like he he said in that interview he just said oh what you know to hell with it i'm just going to shoot threes too <laughs> yeah. everybody else is doing it um which is is a good sign and because that's the thing i mean i think a lot of the questions about jabari's fit i mean if he's a if he's a legit stretch four who also happens to be you know a capable guy who can attack closeouts and dunk all over guys um then then he becomes you know a much more valuable player and we've seen him i think become a bit better as a playmaker so the the kind of finished product the the numbers um the impact on the court as far as you know some of the lineups and stuff you know isn't there yet um but i I don't know i mean i'm i I think that's that's i think something that could still be tapped into this season uh from an upside perspective you know if Giannis shoots a bit better from the three that's upside you know that can take mm-hmm. this team higher maybe get them closer to a 500 team if jabari becomes i mean I, I i i bet on the parlay before the season that Giannis and jabari would both be 20 plus point guys this year so far Giannis is well above that jabari is not um but i think if if jabari kind of you know figures that out a little bit then uh, then obviously he can he's pretty close to that too so so that's maybe some upside and and obviously if he continues to get better defensively that's upside as well but we so are you changing your projection? Um, I think maybe, maybe, maybe a couple wins more. Yeah, two, three wins more. That that, that they're going to be closer to being that like high thirties type win team. Um, you know, you can definitely talk me more easily into this being a, a five hundred team. Uh, and I think the other encouraging part is that if the Bucks were going to struggle in any area, like in a way that you would you would be okay with, you would not have been okay with Giannis not 
being good, right? That would have yeah. been disastrous. Um, we're, jury is out on Jabari, right, in terms of his improvement, when he, whether he can become that plus type player. And then the, um, the other big one is uh, if they were going to struggle and if it was going to be because they're playing Jason Terry too much and Tony Snell isn't that good and they don't have enough three-point shooting, um, which obviously has been part of the story. I think Snell's been, for a guy whose numbers are terrible, Tony Snell, I feel like, has been okay in terms of his impact <laughs> yeah um and he's not and he's he's willing to shoot he's you know he's a kid he's been able to put the ball on the floor um i think defensively he's he's been very solid um so looking ahead obviously and again i don't want to put any pressure on chris milton coming back this year but uh if chris milton can come back and be you know close to the player he was that obviously is is pretty cool because that's obviously a position where right now the bucks have a, a lot of issues um and and you know could certainly use uh another uh legitimate starter that they don't have so um so yeah i mean i, I think it's an encouraging time and and really if nothing else the honest the honest breakout is, is behind it, but but obviously there's some other subtle things going on, and um, well, we will see. Hopefully Jabari gets 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 better, and and Giannis. Um, I mean, at this point, we're 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 pretty clearly in the discussion that he's going to be, you know, in the top whatever of of most improved player for the third straight season, which is is pretty awesome. Definitely, um, I think in the last ten minutes or so, we've touched on three to five to ten topics um, that could all fill up a podcast. And Jabari alone might be able to fill up a week full of podcasts. <laughs> um, so we'll be sure to do that. Um, but for now, we're gonna wrap it up for today. Um, Bucks play the Nets tonight. We will see. Uh, we we set out some uh, pretty. Some pretty crazy expectations for the Bucks uh, in this upcoming game, or I guess in this up in this upcoming two game set against the Nets. So we'll see if they can deliver on that. Um, as always, though, this was brought to you by SeatGeek. They are wonderful, um, just great ticket deals there. And as always, to actually get that, go to the SeatGeek app, download it. Go to the settings tab, enter a promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks. Enter that, and then you'll get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. That'll be it for us for today. Thanks for joining us. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you tomorrow night after the Nets game. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17